My friends in Christ, we are steadily making our way through the desert of Lent. And happily, today's readings bring us to a kind of oasis, to cool, refreshing waters. The reading from Exodus took us to the wondrous waters that gushed forth from the rock at, at Meribah in the desert, waters that revived the faith of some very thirsty and weary and disillusioned Israelites. And then the gospel brought us to the waters of Jacob's well, where Jesus revealed himself to the Samaritan woman as living water, more abundant and more life-giving by far than water from that well or any well. Both readings tell of the power of water to bring life and to make new. Water, that wonderful metaphor for the life of grace, the life God shares with us in such abundance. Like water, grace flows freely. Grace is unpredictable and it cannot be contained. No wonder Jesus, in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, so quickly turned talk of well water into talk of what he called living water. The water of Jacob's well, he said, refreshing though it was, would still leave the drinker thirsty. But living water would become for the one who drank a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Scripture scholars assure us that, as with all the stories in John's Gospel, there is more here than first meets the eye. It is rich in meaning, with many layers, open to many interpretations. It's a story about how Jesus always puts people first, ahead of laws or social conventions. It's also a story about Jesus' revolutionary attitude toward women, Jesus, who flaunted social convention and engaged in prolonged public conversation with a woman, a Samaritan woman, and a sinful Samaritan woman at that. It's also a conversion story, and it's a story about the nature of true worship, what it is and what it is not. And it's a story about how God loves all people without exception. But because we are supposed to be waking up to the meaning of our baptism during these Lenten days, and because we have with us at this Mass some who are going to be baptized at the Easter Vigil, I want simply to let water tell the story. The water of Jacob's well and the living water that is Jesus. Think of the water of Jacob's well as whatever it is you crave or yearn for. Whatever it is you set your heart on and are convinced will bring you happiness. There are lots of possibilities, aren't there? Not all terribly worthy. Think of pleasure, popularity, prestige, even power. Or maybe unlimited resources, a secure and comfortable future. These can seem like promising water, so why wouldn't we thirst for them? But if that's all we thirst for, then the more we drink, the thirstier we're going to get. Cool, refreshing water can turn bitter and before long turn into whirlpools that suck us in or swirling rapids that sweep us along and carry us downstream. Jesus offered the Samaritan woman a better kind of water. 
and he offers the same to us, my friends. In her thirst, she had been seeking love and acceptance wherever she could find it. But time and again, husband after husband, she ended up lonely, isolated, and still very thirsty. And we, in our own search for love and acceptance, restless and often selfish, we too end up lonely, isolated, unsatisfied, and still very thirsty. The soon-to-be-sainted Cardinal Newman captured this beautifully in one of his sermons when he said, God who made the heart is alone sufficient for it. God who made the heart is alone sufficient for it. He was, of course, echoing the great St. Augustine, who, when he finally awakened to the real thirst of his life, found himself crying out, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Augustine knew what he was talking about. He had spent years trying to satisfy his thirst, seeking fulfillment in pursuits of the mind and pleasures of the flesh. And when he would begin to awaken to what would truly satisfy, even then he was afraid to find it. Make me chaste, Lord, he would pray, but not yet. Can you relate to that? I think we all can in one way or another. We want to center our lives on Christ. We wouldn't be coming here if we didn't. All of us want to say yes to Jesus, but our yes to him is not always our only yes. We hedge our bets and keep drinking from more than one well. All too easily, we forget that Jesus said that it is the pure of heart who will see God. And who are the pure of heart? I don't think Jesus was talking about physical or moral purity. I think he was talking about the single-minded. That's who the pure of heart are, the single-minded. The great Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard had it exactly right when he entitled his book, Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. Or in light of today's readings, we might say today, purity of heart is to drink from one well. It simply won't do for us to always keep our options open, dithering between the promising but puny wells that dot the landscape of our lives and the vast reservoir that is God's love. My friends, every time we celebrate the Eucharist, we come as close to Jesus as the Samaritan woman did. Closer, really. So my question today is, can we, with her, drop our defenses, face the truth about ourselves, and quietly take Jesus at his word? If we can, if we do, there will be life for us, abundant life and transformation and hope beyond our imagining. For whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty. The water I give shall become a fountain within, welling up to eternal life.